Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to another episode of What's the Hype Podcast. The building. Got an interception and you're not down by 10 anymore. Andre Howe, his second interception. To get you the information that you need is can you start your own business and do your own thing. And I felt like it gave me a good perspective. I was not the first person to go through what I went through. Welcome to another episode of What's the Hype Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Pope, a.k.a. The Pod Disciple. I'm your co-host, Andre Howe. Man, we're excited to have another special guest on. Uh, drafted right out of high school by the Orioles in the 16th round. Six seasons in the minor league. I mean, just a wealth of knowledge. We're excited just to learn as much as we can. We want to welcome to the podcast, Randy Gassaway. Oh, yeah. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, man. We appreciate you taking some time out to jump on with us, man. You are our first baseball guest, so um, we're excited just to learn much of, as much as we can about baseball. So um, we're going to, you know, talk a little bit about that, but, but the premise of our podcast is really just going beyond the hype, right? A lot of people, they just look at professional athletes or athletes in general and just talk about the hype, right? We want to go beyond the hype, and the hype is an acronym for helping young people excel. So we want to pull the curtain back a little bit, give a little bit more information, things that you've learned and experienced um, to just help someone else that's coming up behind you. So um, with that being said, Randy, we're going to jump right in and just, can you, can we just start from the beginning? Tell us a little bit about your family, where you're from and what it was like growing up there. Um, I'm from Atlanta, Atlanta, Georgia. Um, I grew up actually 30 minutes south of Atlanta. Um, so I was kind of like raised uh, in Stockbridge, Elwood area. Um, Raised by a single mother, uh, dad passed away before I was born, so she had to uh, grind a little bit to take care of me. Uh, I was a handful, but uh, she did a good job with me, and I feel like she did. And I just learned a lot from her um, and where she came from. She came from Oklahoma. My dad was from Alabama, so a little bit of a country, humble uh, background, but she raised me uh, well, never complained, never uh, really had excuses for things I needed. So when I grew up, I took the same initiative not to have an excuse to make it work make it happen when did you start playing sports and uh which sport and uh who inspired you um i started playing when i was like three i think i started playing basketball first um and then i played through the church and everything like that and then i started playing baseball through the church and then uh just kind of roll with it and i played three sports basketball baseball football um didn't know baseball was gonna be it uh, but uh, just grew up that way. But my, who I looked up to, I probably said like that Griffey, Barry Bonds, and Sammy Sosa. Like those are my three favorite. You know, playing video games, I had to play with one of those guys, one of those teams that had those guys on it. So um, those are guys I looked to up to in baseball when I was young. Good deal. So you said you play all three sports. So we're gonna kind of get into you a little bit about your high school career. Can you just kind of tell us a little bit about high school? Did any other sports take part or kind of just kind of how did all how did all that all shape out for you? Uh so going into high school, I played basketball and baseball. I kind of shut down football early. Um I I liked football, but I didn't like being out there on the field and what it took to be good at it. So I just didn't I just narrowed that down. That's a lot, it's a different monster. Uh and um I played basketball my ninth grade year. Uh, and then before, you know, obviously that's before the baseball season. And I broke my leg my freshman year. And when I broke my leg, I was like, man, this one worth that I just do this to keep in shape and just to have fun. I'm, I'm decent at it, so I'm, I'm going to give it a shot. But once I broke my leg, I said, this is taking away from what I want to do, like, at the end of the day, which is baseball. So I wasn't able to play my freshman year um, in high school. And, you know, I had to take that break because my leg had let that heal. I mean, I went back into the summer and played travel ball. Um, those are two sports I played. I shut, I shut basketball down. Okay. So kind of tell us a little bit about just, uh, just as you started to get into baseball, you know, talk about your high school experience, you know, kind of getting into it and then, you know, how, what the type of success you guys had, you know, as far as a team. and then. Uh, so going into high school, my high school was solid. We had a couple of athletes. Um, my travel ball team was more so where, you know, where it was like the shine and everything um, and all the hype. Um, but, uh, probably I didn't know baseball was going to be it, put it that way. And I, and I found out that it was going to be it going into high school because I started seeing I could do things that all these other people could do that, that, that had a, the big names behind it or had the hype behind them. So I was like, okay, I could do the same thing they're doing. 
let me go ahead and, and, and give this a shot. So I gave it my all going into high school and start um, narrowing everything down, like what I wanted to do as far as like position, if I went to college, what did I, what did I want to major in, start taking it serious, you know what I mean? And then uh, start getting some more interest beyond that. But um, that was kind of what it was going into high school. And that's when I started taking it serious. That was kind of what that looked like. So I took my training a little different. It was more baseball specific rather than this getting stronger and faster. It was more, you know, uh, designed for baseball uh, on my workouts. So that's when I started taking it serious. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us about your uh, college recruiting process? Uh, so coming up, uh, I'm going to say my first kind of interest was 10th grade and uh, in, in high school travel ball that uh, that range. So I was probably like 14, 15. Um, I was getting looks at by certain people. Like it's, it's tough in baseball because I, I hear football guys got, got oh, they got all these um, D1 offers, they got all this. I had some interest, but it wasn't really like, hey, we want you now. It was kind of like I had to work my way through it. I had to get on phone calls. I had to kind of prove myself on the baseball field a little bit more. Um, so I was in touch with like Clemson, UGA, uh, LSU, like Miami, it was Missouri. It was, it was different schools, but it's just tougher. Like you go on a visit, but that's not it. You got to do more and then you got to play a little bit. You got to keep proving yourself. Show them there's not a fluke when they come out and see you. Um, if you hit a double one game, okay, we want to see it again. If you can run one game, we want to see it again. They want to see over and over because baseball is an everyday thing. But that was kind of my recruiting process. It was up and down going from uh, D1 schools and figuring out if they had a major that I wanted to major in. And then going to, uh, I actually committed to Middle Georgia, which was down in Cochran, Georgia. They were at JUCO at the time. But they had a good track record for getting guys to, uh, to the pros. And, um, and and another little crop in the, within that crop of uh, guys getting to the big league. So um, I narrowed it down and decided to go to JUCO route. But I, that was more of my speed, and I just wanted to play baseball. So um, that was kind of my recruiting process. But I had interest, but it wasn't necessarily anything. Like I had offers just flying out of the, uh, out of the sky. Good deal. And I, I, cause what I do know about it, I have uh, some friends that I went to college with that played baseball and uh, they took the junior college route. So that's the thing that's maybe a little bit different about baseball where guys can actually go to uh, junior college and actually propel them into their pro career. For as far as football and basketball, in most cases, guys go to junior colleges and necessarily don't have the grades or if they don't have, um, don't have much teams to try to get more opportunities. So in baseball, it's a little bit different. So tell me when, um, when did you realize that you had an opportunity that, at the pro level, when did when did this kind of start? The talk started to happen. Um, I want to say I went to a showcase down in Conyers. It was like um, um, a bunch of African Americans, you know, and it was it was kind of just developing. I got I can't remember the name of the showcase, uh, but it was at uh, Marquis Grissom's fields down in Conyers, his old fields. Um, and there were a couple of scouts there, and the first scout I got in contact with was the Orioles. Uh, Arthur McConaughey. This was when I was 14 years old, and um, I was like, okay, you know, I can, I can do this. You know, what I mean, I'm getting interest, I'm getting questionnaires, stuff like that, and just something I could do. So going into that was going into high school where I was kind of like, okay, this is, this is what I can do. So about at 14, 15, I started getting interest from from schools and question or scouts and uh, MLB teams. Uh, so around that age, but that was like it. That was it. It was like the Orioles and then a couple of scouts that were there. Uh, but I, the Orioles stood out. And then after that, it was kind of more so college. And then I started getting more interest after my 16-year-old summer um, with more teams and, and going into my uh, junior and senior year of uh, high school. I started getting more interest uh, from, pro, from pro teams. But I wasn't committed to a school yet, and that's leverage. You know what I mean? If you're committed to a school that's $50,000 a year to go, if I'm a pro team – our MLB team, I got to pay you not to go to school, so I got to make it work your while. And at that time, I wasn't committed, so it was kind of tough. But I was still getting that interest from uh, from different from different teams and different colleges. So it was kind of like jammed up, where I'm trying to look at schools, and then I'm trying to look at you know MLB teams, or they're, they're looking at me. But it, it goes hand to hand if you're going if you're committed to a school, you got a little bit of leverage for more money at the end of the day when when you're getting drafted. Wow, I didn't know. Yeah. That's cool, man. Cool. Okay. Uh, talk to us. Talk to us about the process of leading up, leading up to the draft. Uh, did you have any training to do? Did have any combines to go to? And uh, did, did you have to visit any teams? And uh, how did the process go? Yeah. So like, 
um, same thing. So, like, I was running into colleges and everything like that, going into uh, getting interest from both college and pro teams. Um, and then once I got – let's see. I want to say my senior year it picked up. Me and my buddy, we transferred to a school in uh, Sandy Springs. So happened my mom got a job up that way, so we were able to move and everything was on the up and up. But um, I want to say that senior year you start getting your in-home visits where those teams are want, – they want to know – like where you come from, what's your background, what kind of household you're living in. Uh, so a couple of in-school um, or in-house visits, I'm sorry. Uh, but then they're coming to my games too, so they're texting, hey, uh, what time does BP start? Hey, um, all right, what, where are you planning today, whatever, whatever. You think you can get in the outfield, once you move to the outfield, once see you at first base. And then you got – I remember our first, uh, our first practice, um, we had, you know, camera crew, whatever, recording stuff for just footage and scouting footage for us. And I, that was like my senior year, so that was kind of like, uh, dang, this is pretty, this is pretty, pretty serious. So you got uh, our first game in high school, my senior year, 2013. We had probably like 20 or 30 some scouts there at our game, and I'm like, okay, this is getting legit. This is getting, this is getting serious. So my training, it was every day. So at school, I get down with school about like 3:30. Then somebody, uh, whoever's on the team, like say a parent who can get off. They taking us. They're taking us to go train after school, and then we're doing that, doing our work, whatever, whatever. On the way there, we might be doing some homework. We might be getting a little bite to eat before we train. And then we go work out, and then after that, I finish up my homework. Or before that, if I have enough time, I gotta, you know, strategically place everything and 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 get my work in for school, and then get my work in for for baseball. So then they picked up to basically every day, and then we might be playing on the weekend or or training or practicing on the weekend. But every day, I was doing something for baseball and school. So that kind of like put it hand to hand. Good deal. So again, it sounds like jam pack, right? You got a whole lot of different things happening. Um, and one thing I guess that's different with that too, because when you're talking about scouts interacting with high school athletes, or you guys, you know, being able to come that like connect with you directly and college is not like that. They got to go through so many different channels before they can even really talk to players, you know, you got to come on campus, going through the coaching, going through the, the coaching staff and setting up these appointments. So that's different. Like they can really just touch you guys right away at that level and not even necessarily mean that you're going pro, but they can start to build that relationship and start to establish that. So that's pretty interesting um, from that level. But let's talk about it, it, being drafted. When did you get drafted and what did it feel like for you? Like to, to have that whole moment. So we're talking about the draft. Yeah, it was emotional because – I committed to school late, signed my letter of intent to go to Middle Georgia. And uh, I was projecting to go like, not the first day. The first day is like the first two rounds. You got the first round and then you got supplemental and then uh, the second round um, on the first day of the draft. The second day, I was expecting to go the second day. That's that's uh, more uh, three through 10, rounds three through 10. So I was expecting to go uh, on that second day. So I'm sitting by my phone, sitting on the computer because you don't know, like people call your phone it might be the call you waiting for, but it might be something uh, down the line that you're waiting for. So I remember my phone ringing on the second day, and I was expecting him to go to the Nationals because I went to a pre-draft workout uh, with the Nationals and, and, and balled out. And, and the head guy, the scouting coordinator, was there. He said, hey, don't hit anymore. You just made a lot of money. So I'm like, oh, okay, you know, that's good. And, I, and before this, I've been to a couple more pre-draft workouts and stuff like that because that's how it – you go to these it's, – it's like a combine, but – it might be in a smaller group. It might be in a bigger group. That's how you know how serious they are about you. So I went to a couple where it's a smaller group. So I'm like, okay, I got I got a chance at, at getting drafted. So I went to a, a, a Washington Nationals one, and I'm like, okay, I might I might go there. So scouting director, uh, he um, or national cross checker, he he said, hey, you just like made a lot of money, whatever, whatever. My agent's there. He's like, okay, cool. You know, we'll set everything up. So they call on the second day. I'm thinking this is a call. They say, hey, we I, we know we told you this, but um, now we, we got to back it up. We got to go get a pitcher instead of a high school position player. So I'm like, all right, you know, I don't, I don't know how this process works. I'm, I'm new to it. So whenever you call my name, I'm ready. And uh, I didn't go to second day. So then the third day comes and that's the third day is 10 through the rest, but they rattle it off online. So you got to be logged into a MLB network and then you just see your name come up on a list. And just keep coming down. It's like real quick. So it's not as like the old, the, you know, with the, 24 pick of the whatever, whatever draft, 
we, uh, the, the Baltimore Orioles choose, you know, it's not like that. It's not the big announcements. It's just, oh, the Orioles choose this guy. Okay, the Rockies choose this guy. Okay, the Reds choose this guy. So it's, it's like more rattled off. And they call my name on the third day. And I, and I'm, I remember sitting in, the, uh, in me and my mom's apartment up in the Sandy Springs. And I was just like, I'm ready, I'm ready to go. On that first and second day, I'm crying. You know, I'm like, dang, I'm not going to get to live out my dream. I'm going to go to school. I'm going to bust my butt. But, you know, it's just not going to happen right now. But in that third day, they called me. And uh, it was the Orioles, the first team that uh, that looked at me when I was 14. I was like, well, maybe this is meant to be. You know, I just want to go play baseball. I don't, I don't, I don't want to do anything else. I just want to go play baseball. So they called me right after they called my name. The Orioles called me right after they called my name. They said, "How soon are you ready to go?" I said, "I'm ready whenever, whenever you're ready." And later that uh, later that week, I um, I signed my contract at the Starbucks in uh, the Vinings, the Starbucks, a Starbucks in the Vinings, and signed my contract outside. And and I think like two or three days later, I was on a flight down to Florida for rookie ball. Like so, so with that, right? I I want to talk about obviously like the option because you can get drafted and still decide to go to college and play. Is that correct? If you de- you if you decide whether you high low whatever, you still have that choice to make the decision if you want to go college or if you want to take them up on the offer, right? Yeah, correct, correct. Okay, mm-hmm. so that's just interesting to me. But um, just next, can you can can you mention some of the guys that was in the draft that we may be familiar with your your draft year? Um, Clint Frazier was in my draft. We actually lost him in the second round of playoffs uh, my senior year. Uh, they were in play. Uh, Clint Frazier was a first rounder that year. Um, Austin Meadows was a first rounder that year. Um, who else was that year with me? Because uh, there were a lot of guys that were in my same class, but they might have went to college and then they came out later. Um, let me see who else was in that class. Aaron Judge was in that class, um, that 2013 class. I think he came out of Fresno that year. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see who else. There's a lot of big names in that class, to be honest. A lot of them. Um, let me think. Travis Demerit, he's with the Tigers right now. He was in the class. Um, he was a first rounder by the uh, Rangers that year. Uh, let me see who else was in that class. I, I definitely, for me, I, with Aaron Judge, like, what did he was he a first rounder or no later rounder guy? I don't remember the round, but I remember he came out of college. I don't remember the round. Okay. For sure, but everybody knows that name. You know Aaron Judge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so can you put no? Can you put being drafted in the 16th round in in the, in the same perspective as as being compared to the NFL draft? I I draft in seven round. I'll I'll draft seven round pick. So we're trying to figure out sixteen round, seven round. How how that go? And uh, how how much money we got dealing with that? It's 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 depends, man. Because like you might have a roster in the big leagues where those guys went to a junior college and they got drafted in twenty fourth round, twenty fifth round. Um, but they're still in the big leagues. So it just depends. Like it's like buying a car. I feel like that's how I put it in perspective. If I go to the car lot and I have X amount of dollars to buy a Ferrari, Lamborghini, whatever, a nice car, I'm going to treat that like my baby. But I can still get a Toyota and a Camry, which drive nice and they look good, but it's just a difference, you know. So that – it just depends on how you perform and what opportunities you get and if you take advantage of them. But that money is different. So, like, I think the year before I got drafted, they uh, didn't have a slot. So you could um, – you can get whatever amount of money you negotiated. Um, and like if you were in the 24th round, you could still get a couple hundred thousand dollars for signing your name. Um, but then my year, I want to say they put a slide on it where you can't, it's like after after the 10th round, I believe, they need to max unless people had money left over, a team had money left over in their organization. You, um, it was a hundred thousand dollar slot. And, and you can go 120, 125, 150, stuff like that. But in the 16th round, I got $100,000 to sign my name. So I had never seen $100,000. So I, I went ahead and took that took that deal as a kid. And, and to go play baseball, I believed in myself, bet on myself, and and, um, and took that opportunity. So it was like, I don't know what equivalent, how equivalent it is to football. Like, what's the, like a 16th round is compared to 17th round, but um, it was $100,000 for 16th round. And um, But if a team has money left over, they can go, Sign you for two hundred thousand, three hundred thousand. It just depends on what they have, and if they they went below slot earlier in the round, like say if they sign a first rounder who's in college, they might sign them for two point three million, but their slot for that pick might have been three point four. So they just saved a million dollars, and they can go put that million 
and they can break it down and put it to other players later in the draft if they value them enough. So it depends on what they value at. So that's interesting because, like, like Dre said, you know, we got seven rounds or whatever it is in NFL. Um, however, you know, those are all slotted in most cases. Outside of quarterbacks, everybody else is kind of like slotted. They kind of get what the year before or something like that. But in baseball, it just like sounds like whatever you like you said, whatever you negotiate outside of they said the slotted for you guys at that point. But you could still get more if they wanted to offer you more. Right, you can. That's, that's you can. just. That, that's pretty interesting. Like, it just really, again, because you see some of these guys that end up being great in the baseball kind of get, you know, get drafted in those later rounds, especially if they probably, I don't know what you call them, but they're playing from overseas somewhere, right? If you drafting somebody from the Dominican Republic or something like that, I'm sure they know they have leverage where they can probably offer those guys less money, right? Well, they have they have a different draft for, for international guys. They have an international, international draft, and they have different money. So whatever they, like, so – in the international draft, it's not necessarily first, second, third round. It's just uh, – well, it is rounds. I'm sorry. It is rounds, but it might be a different slot. So they might have 10 rounds, but the slots might not go under 500000 And then whatever they pay, it's different money. They, it's different pool of money that they're pulling from. So it's, it might be uh, – they might get more than than than, uh, than your average Americans on, on – um, if, if you go by a total number. They might get a little bit more, but it's less, less that they get. So it's forty something rounds in the in the uh, MLB amateur draft. But then, or I don't know if they're going to change it, but it's forty rounds. I don't think I don't think it's that much in the international. But then again, you you might have a Dominican or Venezuelan or um, Panamanian that that might sign as a free agent, but they sign a deal for two million as a free agent. So it just depends. That international money, that international pool of money is is different. Yeah, that's. So I, that's yeah, that's that's definitely a whole different ball game. So uh, it sounds like to me, you said forty rounds, so around sixteen. You're almost at that midpoint, just a little bit before that mid mid round. Kind of how that relates to maybe um, NFL is probably like third fourth round. So that just kind of just kind of looking at it that way. But um, as eighteen year old and knowing what you know now, what did you wish you had known about maybe the business uh, of baseball when you got drafted, or someone you wish someone had told you about? Um, I probably would have. I would have probably committed a little bit earlier uh, and then probably went committed to a bigger school. But then I just know in the back of my mind, if the draft didn't work out, I would actually have to go to that school, which wasn't a problem. It was just all I want to do was at, eight, at 17, 16, 17 years old, all I want to do was play baseball. You know what I mean? I, I just, I didn't have any urgency to go to school. Not, not that I didn't, you know, opposed to school. I just wanted to go play baseball because that's what I love to do. I knew I could do it and I, and I believe in myself. So I just, bank don't go in there but if i were to go back i'd probably commit a little bit earlier um i'd probably communicate a little bit more with um with scouts and everything like that and with just agencies stuff like that but um the main thing i would have done is probably narrow school down a little bit more where i focus in and, and commit a little bit earlier so i could use that as leverage um come to draft So when, uh, when I got drafted, uh, I had to go, you know, it's, it's, it's NFL, so everybody on the same level. So I don't have to do the minor league thing, but uh, can you talk to us about the, about the MLB minor league process and how that, how, that, how that goes? Man, it's a grind. It's a grind. Out of those six and a half years I played, I want to say I played two in uh, rookie ball. Um, I played another two or three, two and a half at a uh, short season. So with the it depends on the organization too. So like the, or, the Orioles had rookie ball, short season, low A, then high A, then double A, then triple A. So you got six levels. You don't have to go to every level. You can skip, you know, but they have six levels that you got to get through. And I was in rookie ball and short season for like the first two or three um, years of my career. And I was hurt. I was hurt in 2014 right after I got drafted. But uh, just dealing with that. Like doing dealing with that mentally, it's like, dang, am I good enough to, you know, am I good enough to ball out with these guys, or am I, you know, am I just spinning my wheels right now? What do I have to do to, what do I have to do to get to the next level? And um, after my 2014 year when I got hurt, I hit like two. I hit my first year, I hit like 247, which is all right if you got some numbers behind it, home runs, doubles, and RBIs. But I didn't have any of that. I just, I just hit the ball, you know, and and I didn't know anything. I didn't really go into detail. I was just going what I did when I was 17, 18 playing travel ball. 
you know, our 16 and 17 playing travel ball, I took that into pro ball because I, I mean, it's my first year. So then after my second year, I got hurt and I, and I, you know, did the same thing. I was just like, all right, well, I'm, I, I'm, I got, I'm losing time. I just got hurt. I got to come back. I got to put up some numbers quick. But what I know is swing the bat. That's all I know. And that's what I knew when I was 16. So hit 210 that year, did horrible. And I was like, man, something got to change. I got to get out of here. Um, so my training became a little bit different. I paid attention to my details a little bit different and um, started making that move. But it's a grind. It's a grind mentally more so because it's just about timing. If if you're ready to play at the next level, but somebody above you is still kind of spinning their wheels, it's going to keep you keep you there for a little bit until they're ready to just kind of not give up on the guy, but more so, all right, we got to fill this gap. Gasaway is ready and so-and-so just spinning his wheels at this level. All right, let's call him up. So it's like something has to happen up at the upper levels for you to come up there. An injury, somebody gets called up, uh, somebody gets released, something has to happen for uh, you to move. And I was just waiting for the opportunity, but I also had to prepare for it too. So when I did get the opportunity, I had to execute and, and capitalize on it. So it was mental more so in the minor leagues. Wow. So it's a lot of other different factors that kind of plays into you making those moves. That's, I mean, that's pretty interesting. I mean, I, I, you know, again, it's, 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 it's complicated. It just sounds like there's a lot of different moving parts um, yeah. when it comes to that. So how is the minor league life? Cause we want to talk about that, right? Cause again, you getting drafted out of high school. The perception is you playing for the Orioles and you know, your life must be like what I see on TV. So how, um, how, how is life in the minor leagues different from that of the bigs as far as travel lifestyle, just kind of break that down for us. So my first year in rookie ball, we're in Florida and we're playing the twins Red Sox and the Rays the whole week. That's the whole – that's the season. That's in your division. And if you make the playoffs and everything like that, then you go play other teams. But it's all in Florida for my first year. Uh, so we're on bus rides going to uh, Fort Myers. We're on bus rides from Sarasota. We're going on bus rides to uh, Port Charlotte to go to play the Rays. And we're coming back and we have home games. So those are bus rides. And then when you get to the full season teams, which is your low A, high A, uh, double A, triple A, everything like that. Triple A, they got flights. They got flights in certain times, they, uh, certain places they go. And then double A, you just got bus. Double A down, you have buses. And you might have to travel five, ten hours. Uh, you might have to travel three hours. It just depends. I remember we were going to Augusta, Georgia from uh, Salisbury, Maryland. And Salisbury is like where uh, Delmarva region, so where Delaware, Virginia, and Maryland connect. That, uh, that whole area, um, Ocean City, that area. So we had to drive, like I think it was like 10 hours, 10 plus hours on a bus down to Augusta and then back up. Well, we went to, we went to North Carolina Greensboro first and then we went to Augusta and then from Augusta back up to uh, Salisbury, Maryland and our AC went out. So we got the, the emergency exit uh, uh, open and everybody got his shirts off, people in boxers and you got the wind coming down and uh, you're trying to get air, and you rotate every five minutes trying to get some air. And we had we had sleeper we had sleeper buses, so that kind of helped. But if you let that if you let your curtain close, you don't have no air circulating. So it's like you got to just maneuver and make it work. But that teaches you you know a lot about life because everything in peachy in life. So I, I, I'm I'm great for those times. It was it sucked at the moment because I'm like, dude, this this not it. You know what I mean? It's just, and some people break down. They don't like the bus rides, and they got a family back home, and they're like, yo. It's not cutting it. I'm only I'm only making this amount of money, and it's not it's not cutting it. So the bus rides are a little tougher, especially if you got some butthole teammates that don't want to share space and not used to sharing space. But luckily, I had good teammates, great teammates, uh, which I call friends nowadays. Um, but the bus rides were definitely tough. Hot, some hot, some long, some you know you got to get a little massage after you get a little chiropractic work after. But those those are definitely tough. Those ten hour plus rides, so eight hours rides are. Very tough. That's crazy. Okay, let's talk about some money, man. So, um, did you have a good, a good understanding of money when you got drafted? And uh, I know myself when I was seven round pick, I got a six, 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 six thousand sign bonus. I, I bought a car. I have a fucking idea. I'm straight bought a car. What you, what you did? <laughs> so when I got my bonus, before I even got the money, man, I hit my uncle up because he has a car shop here, and I bought a Jeep Wrangler. But before I had the money, I said, man, just. Put on my tab. I got I got it coming in. I just you know I you know I just got drafted. Bought a Jeep. Bought a Jeep for like twenty thousand, real basic. And then it was a uh, it was a Call of Duty model, and I loved it. I was like, man, this is it. I'm about to paint it. I'm about to put system in it. I'm about to do all this. 
my total came out like 33,000, right? My first big check was uh, 36,000. Oh. So that lets you know what I did for my money on my first check. And I, I'm, I'm, and I know I'm getting the second half and I'm doing all this. I'm getting my money every month. But uh, my first check, never had a car of my own. I'm proudful of it. I was just like, man, I'm about to cash out on this. So I spent 33 of my $36,000 uh, big check on a, on a car. That was my Jeep Wrangler. And that was my baby. And then uh, four months later, I sold it. So. I, I, I kind of realized my mom always been like the type of person to say, hey, I'm behind you, whatever you do. I, I, I believe I raised you right. You know, you make your own decisions. It's your money. You know, do what you want. So, you know, I gave her some money, too. And then I took care of some things back at home. And then that's what I did with my first one. And when I got my second check, I sold my Jeep and I went into the season without a car. But, I, you know, got everything kind of situated with my bank account, trying to build it back up because I learned, you know, that wasn't the right decision. It was a nice car, but it wasn't the right decision. So then <clears throat> when I got my next big check, um, which was that following February, um, I bought another car. And, and uh, I was like, all right, I got a Jeep, sold it. Let me get something better. I bought a BMW, didn't work out, traded it in for another car. And then um, I stuck with that for a little bit. So I got a little bit in the bank now, saved a little bit of money. And I'm like, all right. So I got a, I got a, a Volkswagen uh, uh, CC, little egg-shaped, kind of like a um, modeled after the A6 a little bit, but it's just a Volkswagen. But I bought that, and I said, okay, I'm good with this. Got a little bit in the bank. You know, let me go ahead and go from there. But my, my focus was what am I going to drive rather than how am I going to set myself up five to ten years later. And, I, and, I, and after that, when I realized that, I had my Volkswagen, whatever, and then I set aside some money with my bank. To, to just invest. Um, but when I was younger, I'm not gonna lie, I didn't have patience. So I didn't, I didn't uh, let that money sit for too long. I kept, you know, eating away at it, eating away at it, making dumb decisions. But when you, I, I don't know, when you're an 18 year old kid, 19 year old kid at this time, I'm like, I ain't never seen this money before. And it's, it's continuously coming in. I, I'm, I'm gonna spend it a little bit. You know, I'm gonna buy some shoes I've been looking at. When I didn't have the money, I'm gonna buy clothes, you know, whatever, whatever. So, um, and I believe in rewarding yourself, but make sure you set yourself up first before you reward yourself. But I wish I would have did that a little bit better um, when I had that um, check, those checks coming in. But living, you learn. But that was, that was my first purchase, uh, the Jeep, then the BMW, then the, uh, the CC. You see, I think, again, I think a, a part of um, this is really, like I said, I wanted to be able to expose education. But what I learned being on that side of that, that level that, you know, again, like you said, you, you didn't even know that you know the amount that you spent compared to the check that was coming in you you wasn't aware you just said hey, i'm gonna give me a new car and that's the thing like it's not you know educating or just informing like listen laying it all out so if somebody may have sat down with you and say okay look you want to buy this car this is how much your check gonna be that i believe probably would have just helped you make the decision at that time and say you know maybe this isn't the right decision to make at the time right. you know what i mean so like having like i i really think that especially as athletes and you know african-american athletes having people in their corner to be able to really explain things like this to help them understand, I think will prevent a lot of, you know, those luckily you learn kind of quickly. I mean, at some point just saying, okay, this wasn't a good purchase. Let me go and, you know, revert back. But in some cases, man, guys never really recover or fully understand it. They just chasing, you know, and, and, and you know, check out the check. It's just kind of just going in and going out. So I just think that it's very important that we try to, you know, bring information like this to the table. But I heard you say, like, get paid in segments. Can you explain it a little bit before we go on to the next question? Like, because you said you get a check here, then how did that work necessarily in, like, with you? Because I know as far as NFL players go, you get your signing bonus, but then, you know, you really don't make no real money until the season starts. So when season starts, that's when you start getting your checks for 17 weeks. You know, that's how, and that's where the bulk of your money comes. But after that, you're not getting paid major money or money like that. So can you, can you explain that a little bit to us? What's up, Hype family? Thanks again for listening to another episode of What's the Hype Podcast. But if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenerships. So you don't even have to have a big audience. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. 
Yeah, so like when um when I signed my signing bonus, when I signed to Starbucks, I signed for the money, signed for my hundred thousand, and then I went to go play. When I went to go play, right when I got there, I think I got there on a Saturday, and I think we they had a game or they were getting prepared for the the season, which was starting on like Tuesday or Wednesday of the next week. So I have to get my legs uh, acclimated from being on my feet, you know, playing nine innings. I'm I'm coming from playing seven innings in high school and travel ball, so I got to get used to playing an extra two innings. I got to get used to seeing 95 every day. So we're, we're training and everything like that. And, and that, that's when our clock starts where, for our, um, our paychecks. But my signing bonus is in halves. So first, and you can negotiate it if you, you know, you got like that, you got a good agent and everything like that. You can negotiate it. But my first half was 30 days after I signed. So I got my, I was getting my regular checks, you know, every two weeks, you know, my regular checks was, wasn't nothing. It was, I want to say in rookie ball, it was four or five hundred dollars every two weeks, and then you get your you get your housing paid for, you get your meals uh, on a, on a debit card or whatever, and then um, after that, then I, after the thirty days, then I got my my sign my first half of my signing bonus, and then get my regular checks throughout the season, and then come around no no paying the off season, come around to spring training, uh, which was my first spring training in two thousand fourteen, then I get my second half. So that's the second half of the hundred thousand. So I don't get my hundred thousand all at one time. It's uh, half and half. Like I had buddies who signed for one point nine million, and they first, their first uh, check, their taxes is more than my signing bonus. So they they taxes two hundred thousand. You know what I mean? Like that. That's what they. Uh, that's what they getting back and everything like that because they they got a half of one point nine, and then they get another half one point nine uh, in spring training. So they they in a different tax bracket for me, but that's what it looks like. It's two halves. You, some people get it. I, I haven't heard of this much, but unless it's a lower amount, like some guys, they seniors in college and they don't have anything else to do. It's like, okay, do you want to come play pro ball or do you just want to hang it up? All right, I want to play pro ball. All right, we'll do $5,000. 5000 All right, that don't deserve to be two separate checks. That's one, that's one check. So that in that case, you might not have halves, but um, in my case, you know, it was a decent chunk of money. So they did it in uh, in half, so that's what that's why I was explaining, or that's why I was saying earlier with the halves. Gotcha. So just to kind of put it in perspective, like again, you get your, you get half of it uh, thirty days after you get that. So now you got to live through the rest of the season, which is like you're saying, five hundred dollars every two weeks and your housing. So 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 just again, you're talking about forty thousand, close to forty thousand up front. Then you managing the rest of your money for the rest of the season, basically off of maybe two thousand dollars a month, right? And that you're able to, so you, so you're learning to kind of navigate that space opposed to, you know, in the big leagues where it's a whole different ballpark when you're talking about the type of money. So I just wanted to make sure that that's understood that, again, you're in the minor leagues and the, your, your, your base uh, income that you're making, you know, 500 or, you know, somewhere in that ballpark every two weeks. So I, I just wanted to make that clear. But um, what I wanted to kind of dive into now is just talking about just African-American players in baseball, right? The fact that number they're saying now is worse than probably 30 years ago. So can you speak to maybe – the, the struggle or the life of African-Americans in the minor league system trying to come up? Yeah, it's about patience, man. It, it, it sucks to see because you got a lot of talented brothers out there that that has what it takes. They have what it takes to they to, to play at the next level, to play in the big leagues. And it might be family issue. It might be patience. It, it just – you never know. Like, it, when I was growing up, my mom wanted me to play all three, like I said, but there's a lot of families that – they just want them to play baseball and football because you go right into it. And it's it's just – I won't say easier because nothing's easy when it's when you're talking about that caliber, but more so patience. Like, I, I, six years, like, you'd be like, oh, dang, how'd you do it? You know, you ain't making millions. How'd you do it? I had patience. I believed that it was going to work out eventually, but, you know, it didn't. But I, I had I was going to see it all the way through because I've been this far. But um, a lot of things – I, I train now um, baseball, and, and, and a lot of things I see is – is the patience of it. Like, it's sad to say, but a lot of African-Americans that play the game that have what it takes, like they have the speed, they have the arm strength, they have the bat, they have the good eye at the plate, like they can hit for con or contact and power. Like it, they have everything that it takes. It's just they, when they when they see that, they say, okay, I got what it takes, then why am I not this? It's like, okay, it, you know, you got you to wait a little bit. We got to polish it up. We might do this, we might do that. And then you just got to get in, right, in front of the right eyes. You know what I mean? Some people get lucky where or fortunate where they get seen earlier and some don't get seen till later. Like a lot of guys in the big leagues are not just that dude from right off the rip. 
They might have to work. They might have to wait a little bit. They might have what it takes, but it might take something that clicks mentally or it might take something that uh, it might just take time with somebody in front of them or it might take time with somebody just seeing the right person, seeing what you have to offer. And I feel like with, with African-Americans in the game, it's just the patience part. That's the biggest thing because it's not, it's not talent at all. It's not talent at all. It's the patience. Because there, there are guys that – I know a guy, uh, Quincy Lattimore, that I played with with the Orioles. I met him when I was with the Orioles. He played with the Pittsburgh uh, Pirates. And he played with the Nationals. But he got drafted, I think, in the first round. He played 11 years when he, when he got to the Orioles. He was a free agent, but he was in double-A, hitting 20 home runs a year. And that's good enough to me. You're hitting 260, 270 with, two, with 20 home runs a year. Like He's been doing it for 11 years. What are we waiting on? He never made it to the big leagues. So I feel like it's just a patience thing. Like, if, if you get to that point, it's like, that's 11 years of my life. Like, I've been playing since I was three, four years old. And, and for his case, he still – he stuck it out. And he went to Mexico and played. You know, he made he made some good money. But the ultimate goal of getting to the big leagues is just a different saying. It's a different lifestyle. It's a different feeling from what I heard. And the guys that – my buddies that are there, it's just different. You know what I mean? But I think more so patience in, in the whole scheme of things for African-Americans. And I wish that – we would stick with it a little bit longer and more because at the end of the day, it will pay off. And uh, I, I feel like that day is coming where we see more African-Americans uh, in the game of baseball, to be honest. Cool, cool. Well, uh, tell us about your development and your journey in the minors. And uh, was there a time when you felt things were coming together and you might get the break? Yeah, so like my – so I told you my first two years, I struggled a little bit. Um, so as a 15 – I came around a little bit, like started to listen a little bit more, started paying attention to little details. I came home and um, I started here with a guy named Lincoln Martin, the man. I, I thank him to this day. Uh, he played a little bit with the Orioles as well and played a little minor league. He was a scout for a little bit. And uh, he just taught me a lot. And it took me a while to mature and understand the details of everything. Because um, at that level, everybody can hit a baseball. Everybody can throw a baseball. Everybody can run. It's just a difference mindset, approach, and if you can execute that. Um, but – when I started feeling that it clicked and I had an opportunity to go to the big leagues was 2016. 2015, I had a great year. Um, I didn't hit any home runs, though. And I'm, and I'm 6'3", 220, at, or 210, 215 at this time. Um, but I'm like, dang, like, like, I'm playing first base. I'm playing uh, outfield. Like, why am I not, you know, why am I hitting home runs? I'm trying to figure it out. I'm trying to figure it out. I hit 270, 2015, and then I went to that offseason. I was like, dude, I got to hit some home runs. I got to do something. So then uh, – I started working, started like every single day it was something, whether it was watching video, whether it was uh, training twice a day, like it was, I was doing something, hitting, like I was doing something to, to perfect my craft because I knew like I had to do something. Um, so 2016 was my breakout year. Um, they sent me, so this is a tough route. So I told you I was in rookie ball, 2013, my first year, which is explaining to my high school kid, like I'm young. Um, then 2014, got injured uh, in rookie ball again. And then uh, uh, there's a thing called extended spring training, which is another two months after regular spring training, what we see on TV and everything. There's another two months of the same thing going down in Florida and Arizona. It's called extended spring training. So they sent me there for my second year in a row. And uh, I'm like, you know, okay, I understand. I was hurt last year, but let me ball out and let me get out of here. So 2016, I go back to extended spring training. Uh, and then I'm, I'm balling. Like, I'm hitting, like, 400, two or three home runs. I'm balling. Like, in two months, I'm, I'm, I'm balling. I'm doing, I'm doing my thing. And then uh, I'm not there the full two months, and I go up uh, right after my birthday or right after Mother's Day because I, I expected to play my buddy, whatever, for Mother's Day, and, we, you know, we had our families coming up. But uh got called up, like, mid-May, um, and then I started balling out again. I hit 340 that year. Or, I'm sorry, I went to um, short season. Short season, after I extended spring training, I went to short season. Short season, I'm hitting 400 in like five games, you know, which is a solid, good start to a season, but, you know, you, know, you got to let the season play out. So I'm like, I'm, I'm not trying to be here. This is my third time or second year coming here. Like, I'm not trying to be here again. Uh, and uh, 2016, they called me to short season. Then they called me to uh, low A. And low A, I hit 330. And I'm like, all right, this was a good year, like, this is it. So on, so on a full year, I hit 340 with like seven home runs. And I only played 50 games at the full season level. But I played like five at the short season level. And I played another 20 in uh, extended spring training. So collectively, I played probably like 80 games 
And if I had to guess, I don't know what the numbers were in extended spring training because they don't really take numbers. But uh, on that year, on on paper, I hit 340 with seven seven home runs. I'm like, okay, I went from hitting none to hitting seven in 50 games. All right, and I'm hitting 340. Then after that year, I got put on a prospect list. So I was on top. Uh, each team has a top prospect list, and they uh, it ran by Major League Baseball and Baseball America. Um, and I was on that top 30 out of the organization. So I'm like, okay, I'm valued. There's 200 people in this organization. And I'm top 30. Oh, let's do it. So turn it around. I'm still young. Uh, in 2016, I was in, in low A and I balled out. And then the next year I went to high A. I was an all-star that year. Um, I hit 270, I think like six home runs. And I'm like, okay, this it wasn't the best, but it was it was okay. So I went to and then that fall, I went to Panama uh to play winter ball to prove that that wasn't a fluke. And that because I, I hit 260, 270 that year. But the beginning of the year, I was hitting 320, and I just kind of, like, fell off. And I was like, I don't want uh, uh, to do this to be a fluke. So 2017, I went to uh, Panama to play uh, winter ball to show, you know, I, I, can, I can ball, I can do this. So I went to Panama, hit, like, 290 with a few home runs and, and, and did my thing, a couple triples. So I'm like, okay, this is not a fluke. Let's put this with this. I'm, I'm, I'm the guy you think I am. So I'm like, all right, this is a good chance. So then the next year, they sent me back to high A. I'm like, ah, okay, whatever. Or I'm sorry, 2017, they sent me to double A. They sent me to double A. I'm like, okay, I'm moving. Like, I'm good. But in double A, like, everything starts slowing down. I went from an everyday player to playing once every three games. And come to find out, I was there because of an injury. But if I'm there, I'm there. It don't matter how I'm there. I'm, I'm here. Um, so I was trying to make sure that um, that, I, that I was trying to prove what, what I was worth. And I didn't put up the numbers I thought I was going to. And then I got called back down. Uh, was an all-star that year whatever, whatever, finished the season at like 270. Um, and then I played winter ball, hit 290. So I'm like, okay, that's that's an okay season. That's a solid season. Next year I go back to high A, hit 270 again uh, with five or six home runs. So I'm kind of stuck at that 270, five to seven home runs in this mark. And I'm like, ah, did I stall out? You know, like I went from 340 with seven and 50 games to 270 with five or six in 100 and whatever, 20 games or 30 games, whatever it was. It's like, did I stall out? Whatever, whatever. But those numbers are decent. I just didn't hit as many home runs as I thought I could. That's why I feel like I kind of stalled out a little bit. But I felt like I had to jump around that 2016 to 2018 range. I was like, okay, I'm about to do it. And then when I got picked up by the Pirates in the Rule 5 draft, it was like, okay, they value me. Somebody's paying attention. Like, they they see what I can be, and here's an opportunity. Because the Rule 5 draft is a uh, – it's a draft where they have a minor league portion and they have a major league portion. The major league portion, if you get picked up in a Rule 5 draft by an organization, um, you have to be put on a 40-man. 40-man is the different money. That's the money you want to be in. Like, you're getting paid uh, no matter what, but you don't have to be in the big leagues. A 25-man roster is you up there. You in the main thing. 40-man, you might be in double-A, but you're on the 40-man roster out of the organization. And um, I got picked up in the minor league phase by the Pirates. I was like, okay. It's the minor league phase, but I value. Well, let's see if this is my shot and uh, see what they need. And I, and that's why I thought I was going as well. So between 2016 and later, I, I thought I was there or going to make it eventually. So so you mentioned that the, the uh, rule five, right? You kind of explained it. But tell, kind of break it down when you say, you know, that 40-man roster, that type of money, and even if you're not in the majors, you know, you're still getting you, – you're on that roster. So what does that look like in terms of, again, I, you know, baseball seems like money is all over the place, but just kind of, you know, minimum type. If you're on that 40 man, what does that look like even if you're not in the majors? So first year 40 man is uh, – I think it's like forty six to 48,000, something like that. And then second year 40 man is like 80-something. And then third year 40 man is like 140 a year, 140,000 a year so or in the six months that you're playing, not even the full year. So you're getting that money uh, regardless of, of, of where you are, but you have the opportunity of going to the big leagues. So if you go to the big leagues within that span, your money gets prorated to the $500,000 minimum in the, in the big leagues. So if you go for two days, you might come home on your next check to $2,000, $3,000 more on top of your 40-man money. So it, it, it's, uh, it's, different if it's, it's a different league. And then once you – so I think the max I think the max under that 40-man is uh, 100 and. 80 if i'm not mistaken something like that but um that's that's the max when you like every year you get put on a 40 man still like you get you get your money goes up um so it is, is is there a time limit like is there only like a 
five-year window for you to be on that 40-man roster? I think it's a four. I think it's a four or five window because if you're not in the big leagues after a while, like you know, we wasting space because we got guys behind you that can do the same thing you can do. But it's a, it's their first year of 40-man, so I'm only giving them 40,000 to get, to do what you can do instead of paying you 180. I'm gonna go ahead and pay that guy 40 because he can do the same thing you can do. So I'm gonna either release you or designate you for assignment, which means like another team can pick you up if they value you and think that you can do something for them go ahead but we got a guy that can do the same thing and he's two years younger than you um so we're gonna go ahead and pay him forty thousand for doing the same thing you're doing for 180. so just a money money thing business decision you know it's tough but it, it's, it, it is it definitely it's definitely a business we don't want to forget that I and mean, i think that's that's important um just real quick before we move to that I, I, you know we just seen mookie bet sign this deal right right um i don't know how familiar you are with mookie Betts, but he's he's not that old right is he is he your age, a little bit young. I, I, I think he's like three or four years older than me. Maybe I think he's still in his twenties. He's like 28, 29, maybe if so, that match, like match. So, so I, I would assume that he didn't stay in the minors long. Did he? Um, I don't like, know his. Past. I know he. Was, I know he was there for a few years. He was a prospect with them for a while. I don't know his like uh, years in the minors, but it probably wasn't that long. It probably wasn't that long to be honest. I think he was a high school draft as well, high school pick. I mean, he's not that big. So I, I just kind of a little bit, I, you know, just we, we've had, when I was working in the NFL with the Houston Texans, we've had guys come out. I've seen Altuve. I don't know if you've seen him, Dre, in person. Um, but uh, Altuve is super small. He's a little guy, right? So when you see, and you're talking about some guys that are huge and just back swing. There's just like so many different dynamics that kind of go into this thing. And I don't think Mookie is that big. I wanted to see him play in Boston one, uh, a couple years ago, but he wasn't that big. So it's like, it's, 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 I mean, again, football, you're looking at a lot of times size and things like that. But in baseball, you have some of these guys that are small. And I even see, like, bigger guys that look like they're out of shape. You know, that's yeah. a fatter guy. So it's really just really hard to kind of understand, you know, what you're looking at and what they're looking for when you talk about success or guys that, that are, you know, ballers in the, in the Major League Baseball level. Right. Like, like I mean, with Atuve, he's strong as not, so, like, he's, I think he's like five, six, or something like that, five, seven. But he's strong as not. So, I mean, that's the thing. Like, a lot of guys that are smaller, they might look up to him. But some guys be like, oh, that's just a once in a, in a lifetime, you know, opportunity. The right person saw him. But he does a lot of things the right way, and he hit the ball like he's six five, six six, you know, 240. But it doesn't matter how you play the game. He second base, and still hit home runs, still hit for average. Like that. He can play. If you can play baseball, you can play baseball. It don't matter size. You know what I mean? It, it, it's it's crazy to think about because you're like, dang, that frame, he shouldn't be able to do what he's doing. But he figured it out. You know, he figured it out. And he played, he's playing his game. So that's where and Mookie, well, Mookie is the same thing. I think he's like 5'10", maybe max six feet. But he just played. He, he wired. He's strong as, as well. So it's like, you know, he make it work. And he can play the outfield like, like no other. And when you hit you 30, 40 home runs a year, and then you can get 300. He's valuable to your team. Like, he plays his game. But all that goes hand-in-hand. Like, I feel like when you're at your best, when you're playing the best defense, when you're uh, hitting the best, got the most RBIs, home runs, whatever, whatever, it goes hand-in-hand. Like, the one will carry the other. Like, so if I'm hitting well, I'm going to play defense well. And, I, and then it comes together, together, together. And then you see yourself as a complete athlete, complete player. And it's just – as size don't matter at that point. It doesn't matter can you, can you ball, can you play. Yeah. I mean, again, I just see where I just feel like guys, African Americans, mostly so athletic that they should be dominating that game. It should be more guys being able, but it's just I know it's some other factors that kind of go into it. But man, it's just mind blowing to see that. Right. <clears throat> so, when did you realize um, your career might be over? Um, I didn't really know. Like, I, I so with the Pirates, like I'm thinking, okay, they might give me an opportunity. They're, they weren't bad. It's, it's a major league program, major league organization. Um, so I'm like, okay, maybe I got an opportunity. Because at that time, I think they had um, – I was an outfielder at the time. And um, they had, uh, I think, like two or three guys. They were like Polanco, Marte, and then I think they signed um, – what's his name? Lonnie Chisholm, I think it is. But he's an older guy. He's a vet. Polanco just went down with an arm injury. So I'm like, maybe this is – going to work out because they got a couple injuries. They got an older guy who can just like, he's going to platoon and mix in. I don't know who they have in their minor league system, but they picked me up for a reason. So I'm about to come in and, and do my thing and then hopefully help out this organization. 
So I'm, you know, I'm going in it with the best, highest expectations. And um, when I got to spring training, I got a funny, like a funny vibe. And I was like, is this what I think it is? You know, whatever, whatever. And at the beginning, I was like, okay, maybe, you know, but first, I'm a big first impression, like, first impression, like, it was, it was just off. The vibe was off a little bit. And um, going forward, my buddy, who uh, I started my, my showcase business with, my buddy, he, um, he came down. He's like, man, I want to see you in spring training. I want to see how everything goes. Like, I've seen the big league spring training. I want to see how minor league goes. So he said, man, I love this. Like, we're doing live at-bats on one field. We're having an inner squad on another field. We're having a regular game on another field. It's just a different lifestyle in the minor league spring training. And I'm like, he asked me, we went to dinner. He was like, yo, like, how you feeling? Like, you feel like you, you got a chance with, with the Pirates? And I was like, to be honest, it, it feels weird. I wouldn't say I didn't – I feel like I wasn't going to make it, but it felt weird. If I did make it with the Pirates, it was still going to be – a weird situation, even if I was in the big leagues, because I, I clicked with a certain amount of guys, like with a, only a certain group, and it was just like, I don't really, I don't really know. Like communication wasn't all the way there because I was told something and it didn't really happen. And then when I got released, it was like, your opportunity ran out. All right, what does that mean? You're like, why'd you pick me up then? But I felt it just felt weird. I wouldn't say uh, I knew it was coming to an end, but it felt weird. It felt very weird. And then uh, once they got the draft going. Uh, in June, they they released me then, and I kind of sensed it because I wasn't playing every day. And I was like, okay, why well, pick up a guy if you're not gonna play him and see what he can do in a game? But um, it was kind of weird. But I, I kind of sensed it. I'll probably say right around my birthday. My birthday is May, uh, mid May, and um, they released me June. But I wasn't playing every day. I was playing like once every four or five games. And I was like, yo, that's there's some there's something weird. Like. I'm going to the field. I'm busting my butt every day. I'm doing early work, but yet I'm still not getting opportunities. Like something's going on. So at that time, that's my kind of sense. And I was like, all right, yeah, this is it's coming to an end. And I, I didn't understand why. I still don't understand why, but everything happens for a reason. So, you know, that's that's probably around the time of my, my birthday. Gotcha. So for, for, for pro players, it's usually, you know, again, it's an adjustment going from you know, that plan days when time, when that, when the time ends, how was that adjustment for you? What, what, you know, what, again, did you think that I'm going to continue to work out just to you know, be in shape or what, what was your, that adjustment like for you? You're saying, are you saying after, I'm sorry, I missed that. Yeah. Yeah. So after when players kind of make that decision or when that decision happened, where it seems like their time might be up, how was that adjustment for you? Did you kind of think that you still kind of should stay ready just in case another opportunity or what was your mindset kind of with that? Yeah. So I called my agent right after I got released, told him, you know, Hey, this is what happened. Um, happened today. And I went to the house that I was staying at down in Florida because um, their their high A is down in Bradenton. And um, that's where they sent me. Um, and I was I went back to the house and I was like, hey, you know, I got released today. Um, you know, could you see if there's anything else? If, if another organization needs a uh, an outfield or first baseman um, that, that, that can hit, you know. And uh, I guess they reached out a little bit. And the draft was coming up. So they were going to draft whatever they needed. So, um unless injuries happen or anything, they were ready for somebody to go to a, to a higher level. But um, <clears throat> I reached out, I stayed in shape. I came back home, gave it a week, week and a half. I stayed in shape, you know, kept hitting, worked out and stuff like that. And then I waited and I was waiting for my agents to call and they was like, hey, you know, after the draft, it was like, hey, you know, no no teams really need an outfielder, <clears throat> first baseman that can hit, that, you know. Um, so I kind of sat, started doing some lessons and training I said, okay, maybe I'll go play uh, winter ball or something like that just to see if I can get on somebody's radar, just to see if I can lock in with somebody else. And um, that didn't happen. So I was like, all right, I'm, I'm going to keep training and doing my lessons. And then uh, my agent reached out again. And, uh, you know, we kind of talked. And I was like, you know what? I'm okay with, with being done. Because, like, not to be sappy or, or mopey or anything, but the, the Pirates took a lot out of me mentally. And I was just like, you know what? I, I deserve better. And I'm gonna give myself better. So I started doing my own thing. And uh, at that time, spring training came around and I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm good. But that's when the virus kicked up with this year. So I, I stopped last year, 2019. Okay, so what you, what you doing now and uh, what's the plan for the future? Um, so when I got home, my buddy that I had dinner with, when he was asking me, you know, what I think about the Pirates, um, we kind of started planning on what we wanted to do uh, together because he played baseball as well in uh, in college. And I told him I wanted to start camps. 
uh, for kids that, that want to play baseball, more so African-American, because I know how tough it is. And, and all the guys that I played with um, that could have played at the next level, but just kind of gave it up too early. Um, so I started a, a company called Impulse, and we host showcases for um, for kids to go to the next level. Um, in any, it doesn't matter who you are. We, we want to get you to the next level. So I, I'm doing that. Uh, we're running one actually this Saturday. And then I, um, I do lessons as well to train kids from ages four all the way up to, to college players and, and professional players. Now I'm um, working with my buddy Trey Harris. I know who plays with the Braves. Um, but just training and trying to give the knowledge that I learned, and I'm still learning to this day, and trying to pass it forward. Because if I can get these kids, these African-American kids or wherever race, white, black, doesn't matter. But um, obviously I want to help everybody, but I definitely want to help African-American players get into the game and just give them my input. Like if I had to preach to a kid right now, I would say, you know, have patience. You have to have patience. You have to, because it might not work today, but then next week might be your breakthrough. You know, it might not be next week, but in three months, it might be your breakthrough. Might not happen this year, but next year it'd be your breakthrough. You just got to keep going with it. Um, and that's with anything. So I just try to drop the knowledge that I've learned and, um, onto the kids that I have, whether it's my, at my showcase, whether it's in the cage where I'm doing lessons, whether it's me coaching. This past year, I coached a uh, 17 and under uh, team, trying to help them out <clears throat> and go to uh, go to school and everything like that. But I'm just trying to stay in the game because that's what I know. And that's what I, I feel like that's what I'm good at. And um, just sharing my knowledge. So I'm doing the showcases, uh, lessons, and then I coach as well. Good deal, man. I think that you kind of wrapped that up because I was going to ask you what advice would you have for, you know, an 18-year-old getting ready to kind of, you know, just got drafted, getting ready to kind of land into that minor system. So I don't know if there's anything else you want to add to it, but it sounds like you said, you know, be patient. You know, it's kind of, you know, that's the biggest thing that sounds like you're preaching to them. Is that, that correct? Patience, yeah, and just keep working because, like, some people get down on themselves and like, man, it's not happening when I want. You know, it's not all, it's not about when you want to happen. It's, it's about when the man upstairs wanted to happen and then the organization wanted to happen because – you got it that, that we, us as African-Americans, we have it to play baseball. We have all the talent. We have the skill. We have everything we need to play it. It is a matter of the patience and the mental mindset. Like, if you if you can go a little bit deeper, if you can go a little bit more in detail with your work, if you, can, if you can just wait, wait it out, I would do that. And then also just relationships. Like, the people you come across in this game, they stay in the game. Like, so now that I'm done with the game, I can reach out to every coach that I, that I came across I can reach out to all my teammates that I came across. And I would think they say, like, Randolph's a good dude. He's genuine. And he wasn't a butthole to us. He actually helped us with this or he he did this with this. We had great times here. We had great times there. He can he can call my phone anytime. And now that helps me with my showcases and with my um with my showcases and with my uh with my lessons and coaching. Cause now, like this summer was my first year coaching, and I ran across uh 10, 15 guys that I knew from the past, whether they coached me, I played with them. Like, I, I, it's just a connection. But if I was a butthole to those guys or wasn't uh, in communication with them or didn't, you know, wasn't accessible during my time playing and thought I was greater than anybody else, like, who knows now if I reach out to them, hey, you know, how you doing? I need a favor. I need you to, you know, look at this kid for me. Hey, I need a favor. I need this feel for it. You know what I mean? I, I probably wasn't able to get the things that certain things that I've been able to get for, uh, the company that I that I run now, Impulse, and who knows, you know what I mean. So I would say, be genuine to everybody. If I could throw this back to to a to a 16, 17 year old, no matter how old you are, be genuine, listen, open up, like be. I'm trying to think of the word. Just be a sponge and soak up everything you can, and then also give back genuine love to to your coaches, no matter if you hate them or you don't agree with them or whatever it is soak up that knowledge and soak up the information because I feel like you can learn something from everybody and then be patient. This game is about patience and discipline and, and having an approach, a good mindset is, but you got to stick with it, especially as African-Americans. Absolutely. And I want to just definitely hop on that part of it being a good person, because like even with Dre, he working with me on this podcast, but he was one of the individuals that I worked with that just was a genuine person to anybody, no matter who you were, where you were, you know, you could have been a maintenance man or whatever, but it's a, you know, it's a lot of guys that, that, that burn or rub people the wrong way. And you never know how that thing come back around because, you know, the same guy who might've been an intern might be a GM one day, you know what I mean? You 
you know, may be in need of a favor. So I think that's very important, man. I just, and that's something I will always try to tell kids, man, even in football or whatever, just always be that guy or be someone that they'll remember just how you treated them, right? You just, you know, that you're genuine, you treat people right. Um, because even though somebody may be more talented than you, you know, a lot of times guys want to keep guys around that they feel like um, they can work with or, or a joy to work with. You know what I mean? So it just creates a lot of opportunity. So um, I think that you said that all, Dre. If you got anything else um, you want to, uh, yeah, man. Thank you so much for being on the show, bro. Uh, I learned a lot just now about baseball. I didn't know nothing about this, but uh, <laughs> thanks for that, for, that, for, that, for that lesson, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. Oh yeah, thank you guys for having me. Randy, if you want to tell people where they can find you, if they're maybe looking for, you know, your business and want some training and stuff, can you put that information where, where they can find you? Uh, it'd probably be best for my social media. Um, my Instagram is just do it RJ. Um, my business page is Impulse Sports on Instagram, no O, Impulse Sports. Um, and I train over in Douglasville, but um, that's the best probably way to communicate with me and get in touch with me is through Instagram. Just do it RJ. Absolutely. So we'll make sure we tag that information as well. But man, we'll appreciate you jumping on. We'll appreciate you sharing this information. I think that it's so valuable um, for those that are, you know, in this space or that's just even interested in trying to figure out how to navigate. So man, we wish you nothing but nothing but the best moving forward. We'll stay, you know, connected and follow you along your journey. So man, we appreciate you coming on. Thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to another episode of What's the Hype Podcast. Remember to like, subscribe, and comment. Follow us on all platforms at What's the Hype Podcast. I've been grinding all my life, love, all my life. Been grinding all my life, sacrifice, hustle, pay the price. Want a slice, got to roll the dice, that's why. All my life, I've been grinding all my life, look, I'm married to this guy. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.